Take your Bible tonight and turn to Romans, the book of Romans chapter 8. Sunday night we began uh, this thought, uh, holy wars, holy wars, that every Christian under the sound of my voice and every Christian watching online or watching later in the archive, we talked about Sunday night that every Christian is at war. We highlighted the fact that there is a movement within the church, especially modern American Christianity, that so wants the church to stop talking or explaining things in a militaristic term. Uh, We talked about what it means to be in the fight. The old church knew that it was a fight, that it was a battle, that it was a war. They were acutely aware of what it meant for their life if they didn't pray. They were acutely aware of what it meant for their life if they were not in God's word. They were very in tune with this battle, with this fight. Um, We talked about Poppy a little bit Sunday night, that generation that came out of the Great Depression who literally had to pray uh, for God to send the next meal. They would pray that as they went out hunting, they would find a squirrel and that there would be some potatoes, a different time a different place in our history as a church, but that they were in a battle, a struggle uh, that required them to participate. We had a special prayer Sunday night at the end of the service for every child, every teenager here at the church. But we talked about Sunday night, the preparation of that battle. I don't want to review the entire message. I just want to give you these fundamental things, the truths from that message that we can build on tonight. It'll be a blessing to you, I do believe, with the help of the Lord. Uh, We made it very clear that this battle, this war that we're fighting is an internal battle. It's an internal struggle. Ephesians 6 is still in the Bible. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your neighbor is not your enemy. Another Christian is not your enemy. Someone who votes or looks different than you do is not your enemy. The battle is not against people. I cannot load a weapon and shoot with a gun at my enemy. This enemy is a spiritual enemy. It is a internal battle. Uh, We talked about those four levels of government that Satan operates his realm in. Remember, Satan has control, dominion temporarily of this earth. This Uh, The Bible describes Satan as the little G-O-D of this world. This is his dominion. We have here sin, pain, sorrow, struggle, murder, suicide, sexual immorality. All of that lives and breathes within what the cosmos, the world, is. We've talked about that in depth in the past weeks. But those four levels that we find in Ephesians 6 of Satan's governments, the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. You can find that in Ephesians 6, 12, and 13. It clearly defines how Satan operates against the world. 2 Corinthians goes on to define that the battle, the struggle that Satan is fighting is not only against God's people, but it's to blind the mind of as many people as possible so that they do not see the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
If Satan could, remember this, if Satan could, he would have that everyone in this building tonight and watching online would die and go into eternity separated from God and go to hell. That is his chief goal. That is Satan's plan and purpose for everyone. He would take no more joy than to damn every soul in the building. That is the war. That is the fight. That is the struggle. And Satan is at the head of that enemy army. Now we talked about three ways that we fight this battle. We fight the battle in prayer. We fight that fight in prayer. Prayer, what we just sang about, is an offensive weapon against Satan. It is an offensive weapon against the very demons of hell. When you pray and you ask God to give you favor or you ask God to give you something in your life that goes against the plan that Satan has for your life. Uh, for instance, when you go to God and say, God, I need help today being faithful that my mouth does not say anything that would bring dishonor to your name. When you do that, the arm of God, the capable far-reaching hand of God intervenes on your behalf and it is an offensive weapon against Satan because God is more powerful than the enemy. Greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. Our God is still at the end of the day more great and more powerful than anything inside this government or structure that Satan has. We fight the fight in prayer. Secondly, we said we fight the fight in faithfulness. Be faithful to pray. Be faithful to be in God's house every time the doors are open to the best of your human ability. Obviously, people have to work. People have to go to school. People are firemen and police officers. And somebody calls 911 about every seven seconds in Buncombe County. Understandably, people have to work jobs, make livings, and protect the community. But if you work a Monday through Friday, nine to five, and you have the flexibility, then God has blessed you with the ability to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night for Bible study, not so that you can check a religious box, but that you can get something from God's word to be able to withstand the darkness and the evil that is here for you and your family. Faithfulness, faithfulness to pray, faithfulness to God's house, faithfulness in my walk, to read my Bible, to be who God expects me to be. And then thirdly, fight the fight in knowledge, knowledge specifically of scripture. Knowledge is power, but spiritual knowledge of God's word is fighting power. When I have God's word hidden in the deep recesses of my heart, why? So that I might not sin against God. Part of my sanctification and growth going more towards who God wants me to be further away from what Satan would desire of me to be is that I consume, that I ingest, that I take in as much of the truth of God's word as I possibly can. And then not only that I would be a hearer of the word, but that I would be a doer of the word. God's word, there is power in knowing his word. Now, we're going to come out of the Psalms. We use Psalm 20 Sunday night. If you didn't, uh, if you weren't here or didn't listen to that message, go back and listen to it. We used an Old Testament battle strategy before the battle. That was the title of Sunday night's message, Holy Wars Before the Battle, Preparation for that Battle. Tonight, with the help of the Lord, we're going to go into the second part of this holy war 
But tonight, we're going to understand in depth the enemy within. The enemy within. Let's pray, let's read, and then we'll get into this text. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for another opportunity. God, to be in your house. Lord, to be here with these precious people that I love. Lord, thank you for what you allow us to have here on this property. God, I thank you tonight for Trinity Baptist Church. God, for the heritage. God, for all that you've given us. God, for this beautiful campus that we're enjoying tonight, for all the technology. Lord, you've been good to this church. God, you have blessed us greatly. We thank you today for the sweet spirit in the early morning service. God, for the liberty there was to preach. And God, for all that you did in that service. And now tonight, Father, we come again to break the bread. God, to study your word. And Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit of God would move. And God, that the truth of your word would encourage your people. In Jesus' name, we pray together. Amen and amen. Romans chapter 8, go all the way down for the sake of time. I want you to go back later, maybe tomorrow in your devotion and read this whole chapter. But go with me all the way down to verse number 9. Now let me put this in context before I read this first verse. What I'm getting ready to read is for saved people. If you are lost and undone without Jesus, this does not apply to you yet. This is for saved people. Because look at the first verse, verse number nine. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse number 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, beside that word righteousness, I have in my Bible the word God. It's God's righteousness, not mine. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall, what's that next word? Die. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. There are four things I'm going to give you tonight in the enemy within. Number one, is identifying the enemy. The first step in this holy war in identifying the enemy within is to first identify who the enemy is. Let me say this before we get into this. Satan is your adversary. He is your enemy. Satan is uh, one day going to receive all the punishment that he is due. One day his work his kingdom, his dominion, all the pain and suffering he's caused will come to an end. Praise God. I submit to you tonight though that your closest enemy or even I would say the greatest enemy for you tonight is not Satan. You say, what? Your greatest enemy tonight in 2021 sitting in a blue chair at Trinity Baptist Church is not Satan. There is another enemy closer than even he is that is a greater adversary. 
Let's read what it says again in verse number 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. Now, the first part of 13 will halt right there. Let's remember this, verse number nine, we said we're in the spirit. These are saved people we're talking about. We now belong to Christ. We have now, according to this verse, an obligation that debtor not to the flesh means that you are obligated now uh, to live not for the flesh, but to live for Christ. In other words, the greatest intentions and motivations that you have as a human being and as a Christian should be an obligation to who you are in relation to your relationship with God. Your greatest obligation is not for your flesh to be happy or your flesh to be satisfied or even for you to be comfortable. Your greatest obligation is to be who God paid the price for you to be. That is what the scripture is saying. You are no longer obligated to your own desire. Rather, you are now obligated to the spirit that lives within you. What does this mean? It means that we do not live in our humanism as mad dogs going around doing exactly whatever we want to do, however we want to do, whenever we want to do it. We're now people who are in control. Our main focus in life is not comfort and pleasure. It's to be pleasing to God in all that we say and all that we do and how we live. There's one remaining element though in our saved nature, even as Christians, that causes us to fail. It causes us to fall. It's what puts things between me and my God. It's where I go uh, to find confidence and because of something that has happened, I will have a guilty conscience. There will be shame on my conscience because of sin in my life. And the root of that is my own body. My own body. Verse 13a says, if you live after the flesh, ye die. And anything that, that its purpose, its intention, its motivation is to kill you is your enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the greatest enemy you have, according to God's word, is you. Your flesh. Your flesh is the greatest enemy you have in your life and it sleeps with you every night when you go to bed it's with you every morning at breakfast it's there every time your computer screen logs on it's in the car with you no matter where you go it's in an airplane it's in an airport it's everywhere you are it's part of who you are remember i said sunday we are saved we are sanctified which means separated from sin But because we are not yet home, we're not yet to heaven, our bodies have not been glorified. We're saved, we're sanctified, but we're still waiting for one day, bless God, when I will have a body like my Jesus that is sinless and perfect and no longer will I understand the uh, reality of sin or temptation or hurt or sorrow. But in, in the meanwhile, while I have to live in this vapor, that in the end will be so meaningless as it pertains to eternity. 
My enemy is me. My enemy tonight is my flesh. I am that enemy. And because my flesh is sinful in nature, and because God cannot look upon, nor can God allow in his presence that sin, it's why I must be glorified when I get to heaven. That's why I need glorification when I get to heaven. Because my body is sinful in nature. When I was born at Mission Hospital in 1990, I came out of that hospital a sinner who needed a savior. My flesh was already installed. That nature was already there. And because that nature is in nature sinful, it is an enemy against God and an enemy against the regenerated spirit that lives on the inside of believers. This is the enemy within. Romans 8, 8 says this, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That word please only doesn't mean please, but it also means satisfy or to participate in a relationship with God. That's why this is for saved people. But those that are in the flesh cannot please God. And if your flesh is still king of your life and Jesus Christ is not king of your life, then you cannot call yourself a son or a daughter of God. This is for saved people, but the point is even saved people still have flesh every day that they war against. It's a battle, it's a struggle, and it will be with you until the day you die or until Jesus comes back, I pray to get us all. Number one is identifying the enemy. You are the enemy. The flesh is the enemy. The natural desire of Winston apart from God is the enemy. My wants, my desires, everything that I am at the core apart from God is the enemy. Galatians 6 says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. In other words, if you feed the enemy, the enemy will grow strong and he will do damage. And if you feed the spirit, it will keep the enemy at bay through its power. That's found through God's word. That's why there is this radical emphasis to be in God's word. This is our only hope. And it's what's in our lap. This is what feeds the regenerated new man that lives on the inside of you. But you have to understand that even on the inside, my flesh still is at war with me. It's an internal war. And you must understand who the enemy is. Uh, number two, you must identify your weapon. If we're at war, if we're soldiers of the cross, we know who our enemy is. Satan is part of that system. But even my own flesh is tied back to the very nature of who Satan is. It's wicked. It's filthy. It's dirty. That's why the Bible says my righteousness is as filthy rags. Then I've got to understand what the weapon is. What is the weapon? If I'm going to war, if I'm going to battle, I don't want to be on the sidelines. I want the biggest gun with the most ammo as I possibly can get. And I want some Kevlar and I want a helmet. I want a flashlight and night vision and grenades and all that stuff. Well, you've got it. You have to identify tonight your weapon. Verse number 13, the second part. Let's read the whole verse again. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But here is your weapon. But... If ye through the Spirit 
Underline through the Spirit. Highlight it, star it, remember it. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. How do I fight? What is my weapon? Through the Spirit. The Spirit is your weapon. The regenerated man, the Holy Spirit of God that indwells his people where he rules over them in that kingdom of control of their hearts. The weapon is the spirit. When Winston got saved and Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, took up residence in my life, I was then equipped with a weapon that I needed to fight this battle because I cannot fight this battle in my own power. There's nothing within me that can fight back my flesh. There's nothing within me that can fight back the nature of sinful man. There's nothing within me that can pay the price that is due to pay for the sin of who I am. I am totally, completely dependent on God to do this work in my life. God has to do the work. He has to put it in your heart through salvation. There's not a self-help book in the world that will equip you to fight your flesh. It won't. You are too weak because it's so close. It's the closest family member you've ever had. It's the greatest love you've ever felt. And it's you. You are that person. The Bible describes this as the human heart being desperately, desperately wicked and deceitful above all. You can't trust your own emotions apart from God. You can't trust your own motivations apart from God. You can't trust how you feel in the snap moment of human reaction because of who you really are at the core. You are desperate for this weapon, this spirit, the regenerated new man that lives on the inside to take over. That's why Paul said, I die daily. Every day I have to go to war and this weapon has to be engaged. And the weapon is the spirit. The spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that has indwelled his people. The spirit provides us the energy and the power to continually and gradually kill our sin. Think about it. Think about it. As you grow, as you develop as a Christian, through the reading of God's word, through the preaching of God's word, through God's word, you will find things in your life that at one point in your life, you did not feel any sort of pull not to do that. There was never an indicator that that was a problem or an issue. But as you grow and as you become more and more like Jesus and understand his ways and what he desires of you, there will be a greater separation between Winston's old man and what Jesus wants of Winston. Sanctification happens at salvation, but sanctification is also a lifelong process of becoming less like me and more like him. I have developed over the last 10 years of my walk. I am not the same man I was 10 years ago. I had no knowledge of scripture. I didn't really know what prayer was. I really didn't know what sacrifice living was. But God, through sanctification, my process of learning, becoming more like Jesus, I have developed and changed. That has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the spirit that gives us what we need to change. 
Church, we've got to start putting all of this in the hands of our creator and this spirit and not in our own human intentions and capability. If you are in charge of keeping you in line, you're out of line. Human standard is not the standard. Pastoral standard is not the standard. Baptist standard is not the standard. The standard is God's word. And it's the spirit of God that develops people and shows them and grows them and fights that battle. The weapon is the spirit. Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded, here it is again, death. To be carnally minded, for your mind to have free reign, to be whatever it is and whatever it is, whenever it wants to be. For your mind to just have free control is death. It's death. For you just to live in the ebb and flow of this life and do whatever it is you feel like doing, the Bible says it's death. But to be spiritually minded that everything I do in my life is connected back to the person of Jesus Christ and it would be that simple little bracelet, what would Jesus do in this situation? We look at that and scour and we think, oh, what a cheesy old bracelet, what would Jesus do? It's so true though. What would Jesus do in this moment, in this situation? What would he do? To be spiritually minded is life and peace. What does that translate out to? Here's what it translates to. What kind of quality of life does the protection of this weapon provide? Think about it. If you're a homeowner, you live out in the country where it takes the sheriff's department 30 minutes coming 100 miles an hour to get to you, you may own a piece of protection for your home. And what does the comfort and the peace of that peace bring you when you go to bed and lock the door at night? Same scenario. When I rest in the comfort of who God is and not in who I am or my capability, it does some things for my life. The first is that it is a life that pleases God. That's the chief end of man. That's the goal. That's the purpose is to please God, to glorify him in all that I say and all that I do. It's a life that pleases God. Always remember that your flesh will displease God. There's nothing man can do. Listen to me. There is nothing man can do if it is not to honor and glorify God that pleases God. That's why lost people who write big checks to charities, they feel as if they are paying a penance. They're, they're paying a penance to, to get out of the judgment of God. That's not how this works. For it to glorify God, the heart has to be right. It's a life that pleases God. The quality of life that this weapon, the spirit on the inside provides is a life that has purpose in God. God will give you purpose. The, the flesh, the human desires of man will always take you from God's purpose. Your flesh will always, when out of control, will take you away from God's purpose for your life. Every time. A life that is defined by passion for God. This weapon, the spirit of God that will war against the flesh, this is a life that can be passionate for God. That comes out in worship. It's a lifestyle of worship. Honoring God in the way I live 
and honoring him with my worship. Your flesh will always try to redefine what that is. If God is providing passion, and if we're passionate about living for God, we're passionate about being clean and holy before God, we're passionate about coming to church, your flesh will always try to redefine the passion. It's not that important. You don't have to go if you don't feel like it. That's your flesh. It's okay if you miss a month of Sundays to go play bowling or whatever it is you do. That's the flesh. It will always redefine your passion. Uh, Young people know this. Your flesh will always redefine your standards. What God has, what he has available for you in a mate, in a relationship, your flesh will always redefine it. It's always less than what God has. It's always a perversion of what God has. A life that will have peace through God. This weapon provides a quality of life that has peace through God. And that is a peace that the world, that your flesh can never, ever duplicate. To be spiritually minded is to live in the spirit, through the spirit, so that the spirit can push back against the enemy within your flesh. Thirdly, identify your battle plan. This is so simple. Verse number 14 says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are sons of God. To be a son of God, to be a child of God, to be a Christian is to be led by God. And your battle plan for life is simply for you to follow him. This holy war we're fighting against our flesh, this holy war we're fighting against our own motivations and intentions that separate us from God that so spit back in the face of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ just for pleasurable moments of sin. The way you stay away from that is by simply following the leadership of God. The spirit, the weapon, he will protect, he will fight that battle, but he will also lead you. Your battle plan is to follow God, allow him to lead. When it comes to decisions in your life, emotions, reactions, you belong to him, allow him to lead. When you have been wronged by someone in your life, allow him to lead you. When you're angry in a situation or a problem, allow him to lead you. When you're heartbroken, allow him to lead When you're confused and don't understand, allow him to lead. That is your battle plan. When it doesn't make sense to stay in the fight, to stay faithful, to be who you're supposed to be, when it doesn't make sense, you just have to follow him. You have to simply follow him every day of your life. That is your battle plan. It's not for you to understand. Jesus told this to the disciples right before his ascension into heaven in Acts 1. I'm going to prepare a place. There's work for you to do until I come again. And it's not for you to understand the times or the seasons of your father. And sometimes life as a Christian will make no sense. Allow God just to lead your life. Even when it doesn't make sense. I've already been there twice this week. Do I really need to go back on Sunday night? Allow him to lead. I've already given as much as I can. I can't give that person $20 and say, God bless you. Allow him to lead. And when flesh 
overwhelms you and temptation comes, allow Him to lead. Allow God to lead. God's Spirit objectively leads His children. Think of this. He objectively leads His children. Sometimes it's through the providential hand of circumstance. The divine providence of God. That certain things happened and God understood it and God knew what He was doing and He had a reason and He had a purpose. But the primary way that God will lead your life is through Scripture. This is our roadmap. The illumination of Scripture and then the sanctification that the further you get away from yourself and your sin and your flesh, the more you'll understand the nature of God. That's your battle plan. The Spirit that does the work. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. There's the war. There's the war. These are on the same people. These are in the same people. Yet there is a struggle, a battle, a war. These are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would this weapon, this battle plan to follow God, it'll fight this battle for you. Stop taking things to your own plan, your own control, your own timing, your own understanding, and wind back up in the same place you were when you started the day, when you end the day. When God's people will become desperate for God in their life, things will change. When God's people will pray and be faithful to pray and be faithful to read their Bible and ingest it with an open heart, with intention and with purpose, it will change everything. Know your battle plan. Lastly, identify your rank. Identify your rank. Number one was to identify the enemy. We did that. That's the flesh. Number two was identify your weapon. That's the spirit. Praise the Lord. It's not Winston. That's the weapon. Number three, identify your battle plan. Follow God. That's in verse number 14. Simply allow him to lead. Walk with him, as it says. And lastly, identify your rank. Identify your rank. Sunday, I reminded the church of that old song that we learned in Awana. I'm in the Lord's army. I even tried to sing it a little bit. I'm in the Lord's army. We are in the Lord's army. We are soldiers of Christ serving under our King General. And He commands His warriors into daily personal battle. That's who God is. But not only are we soldiers, but church, we're sons. Not only are we soldiers, but we're sons. Look what it says in verse number 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We used to have a spirit of bondage. Christians, listen, we used to have a spirit of bondage, a spirit of fear because of our life of sin. The wages of sin is death. That's who we used to be. But remember, ungenerate, unsaved people are slaves to the fear of their death and to the fear of final punishment from God. But the good news is that's who I used to be. That's the fear I used to have. But now, 
because I'm saved. I've been drafted into the Lord's family as a son and as a soldier in the Lord's army. And I've replaced the old spirit of fear with a spirit of adoption. I've been adopted. I'm not the same person that I used to be. The Winston Parish that was born at 11 pounds and 25 inches long with a head full of hair was not on his way to heaven when he was born on this earth. That baby was bound for an eternity in hell because of his sinful nature. Because he couldn't pay his own way. But I have been adopted. And because I've been adopted, I get to wear a robe and I have a ring and I have a seat at the table and in that spirit produced awareness of my new reality of who I am as a son, I can now come before God without the fear of his wrath or his punishment. I can now come to God and fear him from a place of reverence and respect that I love him. He is my God. He is my father. And I fear him because I love him. And holy are his ways and righteous are his ways. And thank God, Winston Parrish is not the man he used to be because of Jesus. I've been adopted. There's a word he uses there. He says, Abba, we cry. Christians, believers, the sons and daughters cry, Abba. Father, And because I have that adoption, I can have full confidence that I am, Miss Bonnie, a son of God. I have full confidence. There's no doubt in my heart or in my mind that I am a son of God. And this word Abba is an old Aramaic term. And it means that there's an intimate relationship. Only sons and only daughters can say this word, much less cry out this word. And to translate this into English would be my daddy. My daddy. It's a term that shows tenderness. It's a term that shows dependence. And it's a relationship that's free of fear or anxiety because he is my daddy. My father. And when your back is against the wall and temptation comes, you can cry out, Daddy, I need some help. I can't do this in my own power. There is an addiction gripping my life. Help me. He will come. Daddy, I cannot figure out what it is that's wrong. I'm so unhappy. He said, cry out. Abba, Father. This battle, this fight, this war, church, is not yours to fight. It's his. You simply have to take yourself out of the seat of control and allow God to be who he is and let him fight that battle. Daily, this war happens. Daily, this fight goes on. And it's a holy war. Because it has to do with the relationship of believers with their holy God. Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. 
You fight the holy war through the spirit in the power of who your daddy is. And now my challenge, my heart tonight is I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to disappoint him. I know who I was, Jimmy, very clearly. I remember what I was before Jesus. I'm getting just now a little taste and a little understanding of just what it is he did for me. I'm just now beginning the process, Brother Morris, to understand just how precious my salvation really is. And I don't want to disappoint him. He's done so much for me. He adopted me. He wiped off the sin and the mire and the nastiness of who I was. And Caitlin, he gave me a ring. He called me a son. And I don't want to disappoint him. And maybe you're assessing now. Maybe the Holy Spirit of God is assessing your current situation, your current fight, your current battle plan. And things are a wreck. Tonight's the night. It's 740. We're going to close out this service. But before we do that, we're going to stand all over this building. I want you to stand with me. If there's something in your life you're struggling with, if sin, if temptation, if your flesh is gaining ground, don't leave tonight without asking for help. Simply come and do business with God. If you're watching online, find a place that you can pray. Trinity, we had a wonderful time in here Sunday night. These altars were full desperation, prayers for our people, prayers for our children, our teenagers, prayers for ourselves. We don't want to disappoint him. We want to stay in the fight. Because what if Jesus came tomorrow? What would be the condition of your heart and your life? Would you want to have 10 or 15 minutes to get things cleaned up before you had to go see him? Are some things you'd like to change before heaven? Are there some gaps, some places that are lacking? Fix it with him tonight. Remember, he'll hear you. He'll protect you. And he'll fight this holy war for you. Sing a verse. Come and pray. Do business with God.
Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. God, thank you that your word changes lives. God, thank you that I don't have to fight this battle against my flesh on my own. God, that it's not up to me. God, that I can simply surrender in who you are. God, be faithful to read my Bible, to pray, to believe, to seek you for wisdom and discernment. God, to put on the full armor of God to withstand the evil and the darkness that's in this culture. God, that my flesh so wants to be with. God, I pray for a deeper level of separation. God, from the sinful nature of man. God, that we would run as hard as we can to the open arms of our daddy. God, that will change us, that will give us what we need and empower us to be different. Lord, help us understand that this is a daily struggle, a daily battle. God, I pray for the folks that are in this church tonight that are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. God, I pray specifically for them. God, that many of them have been fighting the fight, keeping the faith for many, many years. And Father, things are getting tired. Things are getting weary. And the battle seems harder each and every day. Lord, and there are some that are so close to just giving up. God, I pray tonight that you put a resolve back in that group of people. God, to hold on to what they know got them to where they are. Father, they cling to the truth of your word. And Father, for the sake of the generation that's coming, God, that they wouldn't give up. God, that you'd give them what they need to stay in the fight, to stay clean and holy before God. Lord, to set the path, to be the example. God, to be the holy witnesses in front of a generation that sees very, very little holiness. Lord, put that in them tonight. Lord, restore some folks tonight that have been off in a far country. It's time for them to come home. Lord, the table's set. Nothing's changed. They still have their place. They just need to come home. God, I pray tonight you do it. Lord, we pray over Sunday. Lord, we pray over the rest of the week. Bless these people. Protect them. Protect their families. Keep them safe on the road. Allow no sickness to come to their body. Lord, we ask for all this according to your will. And we thank you for our study tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray together as a church.